Welcome to another episode of Driving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen, and I'm going to give you one word today, millenopause. Yeah, the millennials are turning 40, at least the top end of them are, and that means that they are coming into perimenopause. And if any generation is going to change this conversation, it's going to be millennials. And so where well, I am so thrilled to have today's guest, she is Vanessa Ford from Meno Labs. And we're going to be talking about menopause because we both love talking about it. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for having me, Clarissa. I am so excited to talk all things menopause all the time, every day. So your show is the perfect show for me to be on. <laughs> I love that. I love it because you know me. I talk about menopause all day too. You are obviously somebody who is passionate about menopause, but you're also somebody who has co-founded Meno Labs during lockdown. And I'm Amazed you made it a $30 million turnover business in those years, which have been pretty short two years. But you're also so big on wanting to reframe not just the conversation, but the treatment and the research. What inspired you to begin this business and to take this approach? It was a terrible experience with perimenopause myself. <laughs> and, and really finding that there was just nothing out there. Uh, I will be 40. I am 49. I just had a birthday this year. And when I was 44, I had a period that lasted for three weeks. And it was horrific is the best word. And sometimes that sounds, I think, to people who have not experienced perimenopause or menopause, like a bit of an exaggeration. But I know your audience is here and, and they've been there. And when I had this experience, I really thought that it was cancer. And here's why. There's a history of cancer in my family, my paternal grandmother, my maternal grandmother, a few other people in my immediate family. And it was very scary. And of course, when you go to Google, especially six, five or six years ago, even, there was really nothing out there. You I think I came across the word perimenopause, but I dismissed it out of hand because I was 44 and menopause is this thing that happens when you're 60 and you don't have any periods anymore. So this couldn't possibly be me. I was having a really long period. And that is what prompted me. And I think my experience is not unusual, but because we just don't talk about it, thank God for shows like yours that are trying to change the conversation. I think we're starting to get there. There's still a lot of work to do. And I think you're exactly right. Millennials are going to force us to change this conversation. Oh, yes, they are. Just look at how they've changed the wellness conversation, how much they drive something different in the workplace. As a top-end Gen X used to roll my eyes and think, oh, I've got a load of millennials <laughs> to, to when I was in corporate. And, I say, this, and we go, they're such hard work. But they're not. They just look at the world differently and they demand a different set of answers. And I know that the medical community and a lot of what's going on in menopause just isn't going to meet their needs. I think so. And I think women like my co-founder and I are trying to get ahead of that because I do have a daughter who is 25. And so she's not a millennial. She's right on the cusp. But 
I want to change the conversation for her. I want to change it for my younger sisters who are in their early 40s. I feel very passionate about making this better for every woman, not just millennials, but women who are right now actively in it. We deserve answers and assistance too. Yeah, we certainly do. And when you said and talked about your period and then just Googling, Dr. Google isn't exactly where we should be. I mean, you get some pretty scary <laughs> answers, but also the fact that what you said really resonated with what a previous guest of mine, a very well-known gynecologist said that she, when that happened to her, she had these massive periods that just didn't really want to stop. She said, now I know why women used to come to the emergency unit. Yeah, it is very scary. And it's not just, yes, it was that terrible period, but I also had this uncontrollable rage. The things that my husband would do 10 years before that, leave his, his socks on the bathroom floor or whatever, a minor annoyance at best. Pick them up, move on with your day. But when my estrogen started to decline, I just had this uncontrollable anger and I was saying terrible things. I was sure that there was something fundamentally wrong. And menopause is not a disease, but it makes you feel like there's something very wrong for, for a lot of women. Not everyone is different, but for a lot of women, it makes you feel like something is very well. Yeah, it does. And I, and I think just by the fact that you as a powerful business leader is speaking up, not just because you work in menopause, but because you're speaking up in this space, that is the start of conversations being different. I hope so. I really hope so. What's really fascinating is since we started this company, I talk to women every day who have great experiences with our product, who have terrible experiences with perimenopause. They're just looking for anyone who can give them answers and assistance. And I think that's what sets our brand apart because we have a fantastic customer service team. We're there to answer your questions. We want to make sure that you're as educated as we are when it comes to what's going on in your body. Yeah, and I think you've hit on the nail on the head there. Awareness and education is key. Where did you go for information beyond Dr. Google? How did you get help? I went to my doctor when I, I was about two weeks into that terrible period. And I called her and I said, I, I think I got to come in. Something's very wrong. <laughs> she said, okay. You can come in, we'll run some tests because she knows about the history of cancer and everything. That's some, something we've been aware that we need to be watchful for. And she said, okay, we're going to run the tests. Come on in, but you're probably fine. And we'll talk more when we get here. So I went in a week later and of course the period was gone by then. And I thought, oh, I've overreacted. I don't even need to be talking about this anymore. And she said, no, you need to be the advocate for your health. You're doing the exact right thing. And we ran the test and she said, look, your test came back fine, but you're 44. It's probably just perimenopause. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like, what do you mean just? Because I feel terrible. And this is not a just anything, right? So uh, she sent me home with, with research, pamphlets, books, places to go online that were actually knowledgeable and well-researched places for information. And that's when I started digging in and really understanding how fundamentally broken menopause for women is. 
Uh, and, and that's what prompted me to do something about it. But without her guidance, I don't know that I would have had the right place to start. No, of course, we're going back, like you said, about five years ago. But even now, the system is broken, isn't it, in terms of information and support? Absolutely, it is. And I think it comes down to a couple of key facts. And if you look at the history of women's medical treatment, it's not been <laughs> it's not been very equitable across the sexes and that i think is down to because the medical community when they talk about studying women because we have these hormone levels they say we're too variable to study and it wasn't until 2016 that the NIH the National Institute of Health started requiring funding for menopause as a subject to be researched and we have a, a head of research at, at our company. His name is Dr. John Canillis. He's actually been studying menopause for about 20 years at the University of Arizona. And he gets frustrated because he'll put out a, a study, a, a proposal for funding, and they'll come back and they'll say, where are the men in your study? And he'll say, it's for menopause. <laughs> Right, the control group should be women who are in this aren't in this period of their lives. It's just completely ridiculous, and so it really starts with the medical community and the research funding is not there and has not been there. So that's the first thing we need to change. And the second thing is we need to use real world evidence, real time data, to study women in menopause because. If you think we're too variable, then you must study a large group of us to weed out variabilities and find core similarities. Yeah, of course. And those are so obvious things. But yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting currently on a research committee myself for a non-hormonal product that may come to market. But it is really hard to get them to they understand they keep saying well, we're going to ask women who've who've been through their menopause and we keep saying no you need to be asking women who are in their menopause people don't retrospectively right. remember the full experiences yeah. exactly. and, and just getting the research conversation to be relevant to women is hard and you're right funding and i would even say medical attitudes research attitudes to women and women's health is pretty poor i've seen some shocking statistics on the percentage of women-only studies for key diseases and conditions that affect us, let alone menopause. And you're thinking, wow, we are being, we're not small men, but they're extrapolating data and hoping that it works. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that is part of the problem. We're treated like <laughs> smaller versions of men. Dr. Canillas likes to say that genetically, he has more in common as a male with, uh, oh, does, what does he say? See, I have terrible brain fog these days. <laughs> more in common with a chimpanzee genetically than he does with a female human. And I think that's really indicative of why we need to be looked at as our own group. Women need focused research done on the female population yeah it does absolutely and right matched samples and the scientist in me as well and truly out here too yes. <laughs> but it, it does frustrate me because 
that means that we're always on the back foot. And I think that's why we also see women ending up where we are in perimenopause, don't we? I mean, so that we're left with partial answers, why people are hypothesizing that some things will work or don't, why the 2002 Mm -hmm. HRT study is still being spouted in your face. Two years in, that was, they said that the results were not correct. Yet I've heard clinicians and and many reputable people, including one who was a psychiatrist who I told off (laughs) on on social media, (laughs) I said, I think you need to read the updated guidelines, still quoting that data. And that's Mm -hmm. very dangerous what's going on. Yes. And I think that I have a very good friend who is, was an OBGYN and doing that kind of work for a very long time. And when she hit her perimenopause, she didn't even make the connection. She was like, oh, it took like a, a light bulb moment four or five years in for her to realize that was what was happening. And she studied women's reproductive systems for her job. And for her to, to not make the, the connection was really eye-opening. And she says, we only get one chapter in a book. We talk about it for maybe 10 minutes in a clinical rotation, and that's it. And when I heard that, I was like, I don't care if it takes 10 years. we got to start speaking up now so that women get better yes. options. And Absolutely, better and I, I love that. It shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. I've read statistics recently that 41% of medical schools around the world have no menopause teaching on their basic syllabus. And that 59% of interns who were interns in things like gynecology wouldn't know what to do if they were presented with a woman with severe menopausal symptoms. And that data is 2020. Hello, that's not great. I have not seen that study. I would be thrilled if I could if I could get that shared with me because, wow, that's shocking. Not really shocking. <laughs> Yeah, shocking. Not maybe we should say it's not surprising, <laughs> Vanessa, but it is shocking that they're right. not you and I off the street. They're not even our general practitioner, who who is a general practitioner and have to do a lot. But there's no training, and they clearly don't know what to do. And I have to say that sitting where I'm sitting and meeting some of these very reputable and very good gynecologists. The dialogue is a bit locked in hot flashes and uh, vaginal dryness and libido. And I'm thinking, right, here I go. Did you know it's mental health? And as you said just now, brain fog. And there's like a, a stunned silence that maybe we should be including those on the study questionnaire. <laughs> I agree 100%. And what also is it's impactful to women because this is our our peak career, Right. We're finally becoming empty nesters. We have all of this energy to devote to our jobs. And then brain fog hits you in a meeting and it looks like you don't know what you're talking about. And and it impacts relationships, right? You suddenly get angry with your husband for no reason. He thinks you don't love him anymore. Menopause causes all kinds of economic, familial, relationship disruptment for a woman. And it's just not fair that we're left deal with this on our own. And tell me more about what Menolabs is doing. You have a three-pronged approach to actually address some of these issues. We do. Uh, We 
When we looked at the problem of menopause, when Danielle and I were starting this company in 2019, we started putting our minds around what should we do as businesswomen? Where can we make an impact? And I come from a, a nonprofit background. And so for me, everything is about mission. And so for me, the mission of fundamentally changing the way women get educated and the way research is done, those were two big important, you know, steps of the, of the three-pronged approach. The, I, I like to think of it as a stool. Right? We need at least three legs. And for Danielle, who loves nutrition, is a certified nutritionist, it was all about what she was learning and what Dr. Camillus was learning around gut health and how important it is for women in menopause to make sure that their gut microflora remains diverse. Because as we age, the diversity of our microbiome does decline. And so if we can assist it and help populate it with the kinds of bacteria and, and microflora that we need, then that gives women some natural options where they don't need, maybe need to rely on HRT. So what's really interesting is they're now starting to say that if a woman is taking HRT, if she has the correct probiotics in her system, it can help metabolize those estrogens better. And so that's a really interesting area of research that, that we're looking at as well. But that's our three-pronged approach. Research, we're done. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov careers slash USBP. Doctors in the medical community, funding that research, making sure it gets done properly, educating women so that they don't feel, the woman who's going through it right now, doesn't feel alone and without answers, and, and an all-natural solution so that she can really address what's going on if she needs some other alternative. Yeah, I love that because that's putting the woman, the facts, and then a solution all together. What a neat system. I love that. I, I, I think so. And Danielle and I thought so. It's been really gratifying to see that the customer, the woman, thinks so too. Well, and that actually is the most important thing that women who get to take your products really see a change, a shift. And I think when in setting this up, I know that I got some feedback from people that they'd been taking it and they were starting themselves to feel a lot better. Fantastic. Oh, we hear from women every day um, that they're feeling better, that it's a game changer for them. And But I think the numbers are in the data. The, the, the truth is in the data. And so when we offer a 90-day money-back guarantee on our products, and we have a 2.5% return rate, the, the average is 13% in this space. And so 2.5% after 90 days means that women are really seeing positive impacts, and they don't want their money back. They want to keep feeling better. So I think that the data shows you the truth. And that, for me, is the most compelling data we have. That yeah, this absolutely. There isn't any more proof than your customers being actually happy. And in this space, that means that they're seeing tangible results, doesn't it? Exactly. But obviously, the gut microbiome is something that 
maybe my listeners have heard about, but talk a little bit more about that because there's a sort of special angle, isn't there, to that in with respect to menopause? There is. So uh, let's just start really quickly with what the microbiome is. We have all of these little bacteria living all over us, inside us, on our skin, in our bodies, and the gut microbiome is about three and a half pounds worth of bacteria in your body. And it's important because it, it does a few things. For women in menopause, in perimenopause, what it does is it can help deconjugate estrogen. So remember when I said people who, who are taking HRT, they may see benefits if they're also taking the right probiotic. That's because your estrogen is metabolized better. And what I mean by deconjugation is your estrogen gets used by your body in all kinds of ways, right? Your skin has estrogen receptors. Everything has estrogen receptors in a woman's body, pretty much. <laughs> and so when estrogen starts to decline as you age, the estrogen gets used and passed out in your waist or stored in your fat cells. What's really great about having the right probiotics in your gut microflora is that they can do a process that's called deconjugation. But essentially what it means is you can recycle the estrogen that you would pass out in your waste or store in your fat cells and reuptake it, use it again. So you don't have to fill in with as much HRT or as many phytoestrogens to fill in those gaps. You're making use of your own estrogen again, which is really cool. Yeah, that is cool because... And that's the sense that you, not only the stuff that you've made, because we're still making estrogen, obviously, in our bodies, exactly. but also mm -hmm. taking in, we, HRT has a big role that can be incredibly important for women, but we don't know what dosage, and if we can really work that dosage hard, then that's better because we're not taking as much product, yes. product or medication into our body, and that's always a good long-term thing for us. Exactly. And you want to avoid the super logical effects of, of estrogen, too much estrogen. That's when it can be tumorigenic. But if you have the right levels of estrogen in your body, then it's absolutely beneficial and you should do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you're also excreting it properly because your gut's functioning. So we're, we're probably getting right. rid of some of the non, not so friendly estrogens that come into our body too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm fascinated by gut microbiome myself. This three pounds is like, have I really got that inside me? But it is a very delicate system as well, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. And it accounts for a third of your overall health. And so it's, it's people often call it your second because your gut microbiome sends signals back to your brain right, through the vagus nerve, it's incredibly important that it be functioning so that the rest of your body functions properly. Yes, and so probiotics play a very important role, don't they, in creating a optimal microbiome. Exactly, and especially if you have been eating a standard American diet for a long time, a lot of the refined processed foods that we tend to eat have a negative impact on the diversity of the microflora that you have. So it's incredibly important that if you've been eating that way, you really take a look at your gut health. Uh, so for myself, for example, um, when I started taking a probiotic and really thinking about what my overall health looked like. In combination with eating properly and, and, and exercising moderately, I am not a big exerciser. But I did, I have lost 50 pounds 
because I was able to process nutrients properly. And, and when you have the correct microflora, uh, probiotics in your system, you crave healthier food. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think that not just a standard American diet, but I think increasingly a global diet where we're eating more ultra-processed foods than ever unless we make a huge conscious effort, which we should try to do, but it's very hard to avoid hidden sugars and it's hard for us to get enough probiotics, isn't it, just from the foods that we eat. Absolutely. And and even if you put the, 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 the probiotics in your system, if you're not following up with some sort of fiber that will feed those probiotics will not last in your system, right? They, they do need the appropriate nutrients themselves. And so giving yourself a, so a cup full of broccoli is giving your body the things that it needs to, <laughs> to function properly. Yeah, that, that's very true. One of the other questions that I have here is that in addition to probiotics, you're educating. What kind of things are you mainly providing within your education for women? We provide a little bit of everything. We try to listen to what women are asking. We have an app, it's called Mental Life. And so women can come in and engage around content there. They can ask questions. We also have a Facebook channel and an Instagram, a Facebook group. So we're in a lot of different places, hearing from a lot of different women about what questions they have, what they need assistance around. It typically tends to be, I don't know what stage of menopause I'm in. I don't even know what this is. Am I premenopausal? Am I perimenopausal? What is postmenopause? Right? There's a lot of definitions that that don't necessarily meet clinical definitions, but we have just a sort of a, a, a common knowledge around. And so we try to educate women on the correct, appropriate clinical definitions so that they can better speak to their doctor. We try to let them know, based on their symptoms, where they might be, what kind of feedback they're giving us. We let them know that they're not alone. That's key. Women often feel, when they come to us, they say, I feel like I'm the only one who's ever gone through this. My mom didn't talk about this. My aunts weren't talking about Nobody talked to me about this. I don't know what this is. We try to educate them around symptoms that they might experience and why and what can trigger those symptoms because I think the more knowledge you have around the kinds of things that can cause a hot flash, the better are you armed at knowing that and, and being able to prevent them in, in a little bit of a way. We educate them around relationships, what the impact can be, how to maintain positive relationships how to deal with symptoms at work. We really run the game. Yeah. And I think that's probably exactly what women need. They need a, a space and a hub to find reputable information that's maybe talks their language too. Am I right, Vanessa? Not Exactly. Exactly. Because women will come to us and they'll say, okay, I think I'm postmenopausal. Well, clinically, there's no postmenopausal thing, right? It, you, you hit menopause and you're in menopause until you die. <laughs> that, clinically, that's true. But I think a lot of women think, okay, menopause is that, is just that 12 months where I don't have a period anymore and then I'm postmenopause. And so if you want to think about it that way and it helps you to, to break things out in that way, then absolutely we'll talk to you about about postmenopause, even though clinically there isn't any such thing. And we'll talk to you 
If you want to know what's going on with your vagina and why it's dry and why it hurts when you're having sex, we will be open to those conversations and have them with you. And I think a lot of women feel embarrassed. We give them a very safe space to talk yeah, about. And I think that's probably the most important thing. I think we've seen that in wherever there's a community that's a safe space, women really welcome that. Whether that's on Facebook, whether that's in person, whether that's through an app, that that I think, as you said there, Vanessa, is a huge resource just to be able to know. I think someone once said, I'm not alone and I'm not going crazy. Yes, I'm not going crazy because it can really feel like you're losing control of your mental faculties, especially when that brain fog kicks in. I, It feels like a lot of days I have early onset dementia or something akin to that. And it is just the fact that my hormones are a little out of whack today. It doesn't mean that I'm I'm losing my no, mind. No, definitely not. Brain fog is real. And it doesn't mean that you are losing your mind. It doesn't mean you've got dementia either. There's, there's no one-on-one -on -one link. Right. I think the, the research exactly. now says that actually a lot of the time your cognitive mm -hmm. faculties, your ability to think and reason and remember come back. And maybe as a, yes. a, a woman who is well past her menopause, I can say that that's absolutely true. It does come back. And the other thing is, since we're talking about dementia and, and that sort of thing, there are some underlying factors when you're in perimenopause that could increase your propensity for something like that. And specifically insomnia, right? If you have night sweats and you have anxiety and you have insomnia, the lack of being able to get an appropriate amount of sleep for a long period of time can really do a number on your mental faculties. And it's important that women understand what's causing that insomnia when they hit their 40s so they can address it so that they don't have to worry about those kinds of things later on. Absolutely. Oh, totally. I think it's understanding that how each bit fits together that's really important. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and with Menno Life, then, is that also a tracking app? It is. Uh, so there is a community side because Danielle and I are very much about making sure you feel supported uh, and you have access to people who can help you if you have questions. So there's a community side, but when you open the app, you'll land on a health tracker where you can track the symptoms that you have. You can so, for instance, if you put in hot flashes, uh, and I say hot flashes because 80% of women will experience a hot flash when they hit this part of their life. Uh, if you put in a hot flash, it will pop up 16, I think, different things that we've identified that can trigger a hot flash. And you can say, okay, yes, I think I did have a glass of wine, or I was wearing restrictive clothing, or yes, I was feeling additional stress. And you can then... You'll get a, a report that's generated every seven days, every 30 days, every 90 days, and every year. So that you can start to suss out your own trends and see what's going on so that you can take control. It's really important that we give women the tools to take control of their health immediately, not wait for the medical establishment to catch up with them, not wait until they're so frustrated they have to go out in options. Give women education and tools, and maybe they won't need HRT or anything else to manage. No, I absolutely love that. And I think you have just delivered for me in that conversation what I have been waiting for tra trackers to do. <laughs>
because I've always been saying it's not just that you have it or the intensity, but being able is exactly as you said, what are my triggers? Because then I'm in the driving seat. And I love that so much. Thank you, Vanessa. You're very welcome. That is the entire idea of mental health is that we put every woman in control of her own That gym. is so wonderful. Vanessa, tell me where can people get hold of Mental Labs products and, and download the Mental Life app? Everything is accessible on our website, which is mentolabs.com. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. We are Mental Labs. You can find us on Facebook, also Mental Labs. And the Mental Life app is available in the Apple Store, also in the, the Google Store. So you can, no matter what device you have, you are not excluded from it. You can absolutely That is it. fantastic. We're going to put that in the show notes because now I'm excited now just about hearing that tracking app. <laughs> but how do you see the future? Maybe as a final question, how do you see the future of menopause conversations evolving with the millennials coming along? I'm glad you asked because we're actually starting to have some of those conversations with them now. And they are saying, I need education. I need my doctor to be educated. I want research. I'm not willing to wait around. And I want to be able to talk about this in open forums. My husband, my partner, my male relatives, my male coworkers should not be excluded from this conversation. It's important that we bring them in. How do we bring them in? I don't care if they don't want to talk about vaginas. <laughs> They're talking about vaginas <laughs> with us. We won't stand for having an off-the-shelf conversation over in a corner. This needs to be a public forum where everyone is involved. I love that. I think that is exactly what I would expect from a generation that doesn't see as many walls between us. And that's only going to accelerate as a mother of a Gen Z. You're a mother of a Gen Z. They, they just expect that to be. So I am. thank you for steering that conversation and having that force. Thank you for giving women who are actively going through it now an outlet and some education and resources as well. Because as I said earlier, just because we are not of that age group doesn't mean we don't also need assistance and immediate relief from what we're feeling and education so that we can take control. I think that's the most important thing. And if we have education and we can talk to our daughters and our sons and our coworkers now, we're just priming the pump for those conversations in the next 10 years to be part of the course and expect Exactly. Vanessa, thank you so much for your passion and some great knowledge, information, and insights. It's been my pleasure having you as a guest on my show. It's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.